Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast, brought to you by Scoop News Group, the final phase of Alaska's cloud migration. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government community. You'll hear from top leaders and learn about the latest news and trends across the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Maine's legislature is working on a data privacy bill that could become the strongest data privacy law in the nation. The bill, known as the Data Privacy and Protection Act, was first introduced last year and was authored by State Representative Maggie O'Neill. It was written in collaboration with the American Civil Liberties Union of Maine. The Federal Communication Commission's Affordable Connectivity Program, which provides discounts on internet service to more than 22 million households, could end if Congress doesn't approve further funding. FCC Commissioner Anna Gomez says she's, quote, concerned about the program's possible expiration. Members of Congress proposed a bill last month that would offer a $7 billion extension to the program, but it has not yet passed. A dozen internet service providers in Alabama received grants totaling $188 million to install more than 4,000 miles of middle-mile broadband projects through the state. The grants are intended to fill gaps in broadband expansion while also making it more economically feasible and less labor-intensive for providers to extend services. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Alaska's migration to the cloud is entering its final phase. The migration is expected to wrap up this spring and has resulted in more than 700 applications being moved to the cloud from legacy systems. Bill Smith is the CIO of Alaska. He tells State Scoop's Keely Quinlan about the project and what's next. We operate basically a federated IT uh, environment. And so my organization, the Central IT, operates our two primary data centers. Um, and at the beginning of this effort, our two primary data centers hosted about 50% of the, uh, of the servers and applications that are located within, within the state, uh, the executive branch. Um, and then the, the remaining are at about 62 locations around the state and that have you know, two or more racks of servers. And, and those can be everywhere from right here in Anchorage in, a, in an urban environment that's right next door to a data center, one of our primary data centers, or it can also be in um, Kotzebue, which is uh, northwest corner of Alaska, a thousand miles away, and is um, uh, a, a fairly remote area that you can only get to via boat or, uh, or airplane. And so very dynamic difference between, between the locations for our data. And so um, it, it's distributed all over all over a, a fairly large geographical area. Um, within our two primary data centers, um, one is a uh, is a lease facility that is that is in it's it's been in good shape and we've had great service out of. Um, and then the other one is is in a government facility that um, has been around a while and that was kind of the original data center that we had. Uh, and we certainly were facing some. Uh, we, we kind of routinely face some some maintenance issues and deferred maintenance and, and facility costs and things like that. So that facility has uh, has been in need of some upgrade, um, uh, and and this was a great opportunity for us to address some technical debt, not only in those two primary data centers but throughout our footprint around the state. Definitely, and you and you touched on some of those you know local data centers um, that you guys had to upgrade. So like, what were the issues uh, with those data centers? I imagine, you know, with the remote locations of some of them too, and then temperature extremes with just like hardware and technology that there were certain considerations that had to be taken. 
Sure. The the remote areas of Alaska are a challenge for for technology in general, just in life in general, right? It's it's not necessarily easy in a lot of uh, a lot of the remote areas, and we do face serious extremes. Um, but it wasn't necessarily just limited to the remote areas, uh, like any like any public sector um, organization, uh, you know, at state government. We we typically up to this point have operated on a capital procurement methodology when it comes to uh, building out our technology. So we you know we we operate technology and then every few years when you're doing refreshes you go and you get a capital appro appropriation. And so that's very susceptible to fluctuation within the budget uh, of the state. And so as a result, you tend to get. Um, you tend to get equipment that gets extended past its desired life cycle, and then you kind of keep it rolling, even though it's a little bit older and ought to be replaced. Um, and so we saw that all over the place, and we still see that um, with our on-premise infrastructure around the state. Like every public sector, we have challenges uh, around that area. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the, the cloud migration leveraging cloud services was attractive, because um, at the infrastructure level that allows us to deal with technological debt that we've that we've inherited and we've developed over the time uh, you know over the years and so um, a lot of our more remote areas are operating on some older equipment a lot of them are, are, are perfectly well updated but um, with the disparity around the state of all of the locations um, this allows us to kind of uh, take a fresh look at all of our environment um, and deal with some of that technological debt that we've that we've got. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, and as as part of that, you guys moved over seven hundred applications to the cloud without disrupting any service to the residents of Alaska, which is is quite the feat. <laughs> um, with no downtime, that's insane. So, what were the steps? that y'all took to move the state servers and applications over to the cloud and how long did that take? Yeah, so so we have a, uh, you know, we're, we're a fairly small state when it comes to uh, population and size of government. We're obviously not a small state when it comes to geography. Um, but in terms of uh, the population that we were looking to move, we, we, we had basically, our, our footprint at the beginning of this effort was basically around 3,000 servers, uh, you know, give or take, it, it moves. And um, as I said, we were set up so that we have two primary data centers um, that my organization operates. And then we also have a lot of distributed locations. And so as we looked at the migration challenge, uh, we decided to, to break it into two phases. The first phase or first lift was focused on evaluating um, and then migrating resources that were in our two primary data centers. They have the most homogenous environment. It's the most controlled environment. They're in two fairly built-up areas, Juno and, and, and Anchorage. Um, and so we felt, felt we could minimize risk with those two locations. And then lift two, the second phase, is all of the remaining resources. And so about two-thirds of our two, uh, 3,000 servers are in those two locations, uh, the two data centers. And so that was the kind of the scope for the first lift. Um, and we chose to move uh, to, to go... Uh, through a process where we're evaluating everything, all of those servers, all of those applications for um, suitability. Uh, are they suitable for going to the cloud? Do we have all the compliance issues worked out? Do we have, do they have any latency issues um, that we need to worry about? Um, and once we get, went through that assessment process, we identified what we were gonna move. Um, and we've elected to go with a move and modernize methodology. So 
Um, you know, every every situation is different. In our case, we've got a cloud smart strategy within the state. So any new uh, capabilities or modernizations of existing systems, we look to to put into cloud native first. Um, and 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 if it makes sense, then we do that. But for the balance of our legacy environment, we wanted to get it moved to the cloud so we could take advantage of security and technological, um, you know, updates and and resilience and all these other things, and then modernize from that location. And so we were looking through the technology of how we were going to do this move, then modernize. Um, and we were able to find a technical solution that allowed us to really move servers in in live in a live state. Um, and we, uh, we didn't do that with all of our servers, um, just for logistical purposes. Many of our teams uh, preferred to use a maintenance window and do a, do a shutdown and a startup and, and a cutover. But a significant number of our, of our servers, we moved um, dynamically, and um, it was pretty amazing. We were able to move uh, SQL servers, for instance, um, mid-session without, uh, in, in many cases, losing like one packet worth of data, uh, which was just phenomenal. And so users didn't notice that things were being moved. Um, and we were able to do that basically by doing a lot of prep work up front. Um, in our case, this, uh, the primary lift and shift, the initial phase, uh, we're working with Microsoft and moving to a Microsoft Azure environment. And we were using, we were partnered with VMware and using our Azure VMware services tools in order to do that migration. So um, from a technical perspective, it, it, it went really well. Um, uh, but that first lift, as I said, was really focused on the two data centers. Um, the 700 you know, plus applications that were moved, um, the several hundred uh, servers that were moved, um, they're all doing well. We also then identified that there are, there are a few hundred more that, that we're going to be moving in lift two that we needed to work through some compliance issues, make sure that we met you know, federal compliance for various um, various different regimes. And so... Um, those are going to be moved to lift two, and then lift two is also going to take care of assessing and then moving whatever we can move in the distributed locations around the state. Gotcha. And about how long do you think the second phase or lift two, as you've been calling it, will take? Well, each of the lifts was initially expected to take about nine months. Uh, lift one did take about nine months from the initial kickoff and planning and execution. Um, Lift two, uh, we anticipated might take a little bit longer because there are a lot more uh, there are a lot more um, different environments involved in lift two. It's not quite as homogenous being just in our data centers, um, and that's come to fruition. That that's really become a reality. So we started off lift two the assessments uh, this summer, um, and we had anticipated that we would be completing in the first couple months of of calendar year. 2024, so here January, February, March. Um, it's now looking like that's going to be pushed out about 60 days or so before we get through the entire workload, but we are anticipating being complete with Lift 2 um, in the springtime uh, of this year. Um, and what that'll do is that'll give us you know, a, a large percentage. It won't be 100%, but it'll be a large percentage of our statewide compute will be um, you know, in a cloud environment uh, by, by the end of spring. It's been a big uh, a big effort, um, and really the only way that something like this um, gets done is with really uh, you know consistent executive leadership, and we've had that from the administration. 
Um, and so not only did our, our legislature resource us and give us the opportunity to make this move from a financial perspective, they gave us the resources to do it, uh, but also the executive branch uh, really, um, the administration really um, focusing effort across the state. Um, and as I said, we're, we're a federated system. So um, my, my central IT organization um, consists of about a quarter or so of of the IT folks in the state, and so we really had to work with all of the uh, all of the departments and agencies around the executive branch. And there was a there's a fair, fairly big lift on their part, and so they had to work that into their normal operations of providing services to Alaskans uh, to be able to do this. And so I'm really proud of the way they've they've done that so far. And like I said, we're in the middle of uh, of the second half of that project, and uh, while it's taking a little bit longer. Um, we're still making great progress, and I'm, I, I think we're uh, we're on track to be done with this initial lift and shift within, uh, like I said, early spring. Right, and once you guys complete that, you know, so much of this work will go on to support the like state's anticipation of AI tools rolling out, and the cloud is going to be able to en enable some of that future development. So, how does how will this go on then to help? Um, with the uptake of this new technology that seems to be just like top of mind for everybody right now. Yeah, that's, that's a really good uh, point, and, and it's a critical aspect of this move. Um, there are so many reasons why this move made good sense for Alaska, but one of them, certainly one of the benefits certainly is in our new cloud environment, we have access to uh, modern AI tools that we can uh, put together to create better services for Alaskans. And we don't have to, um, it, it's a much lighter lift for us to access those tools in a cloud environment. We can be much more dynamic. We can be much more flexible and and much more agile in terms how we of how we put services together. Um, and we're just starting to, to take advantage of that in some really fundamental ways. And, and I think it's just going to continue to grow as we become more and more um, uh, more and more proficient with how to use all of these new capabilities that we've got. Um, the the really nice aspect of of having that cloud footprint and having our our business owners and our departments um, have a lot of the data that they work with in the cloud environment is we're finding the manipulation of data and the um, you know the ability to use it, the ability the ability to see it, the ability to uh, put it to into play for providing services has become much easier for them. Um, it, it's a learning curve, and, and we're just at the very front end of that journey, but uh, we now have the tools um, that are going to stay up to date. They're going to be continually modernized through our cloud providers, um, and so I, I, I'm really excited about the capability that gives our, our business users about uh, in terms of how to provide services. Bill Smith, CIO for the state of Alaska. You can read more about him and cloud at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. You can subscribe to the Priorities Podcast at prioritiespodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, be sure to leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. That small extra step helps more people like you find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.